This is a Federal News Network podcast. Federal prime contractors may be key to fixing the Pentagon's supply chain visibility problems. Those vulnerabilities were laid bare by COVID-19 last year, and a U.S. House of Representatives task force is now preparing legislation to address the issue, along with other supply challenges affecting the Defense Department. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday has been writing about these issues, and he joins us now to talk more. So there has been a fair amount of discussion in recent years around supply chain issues. Uh, This task force could choose from a pretty big menu of, of subtopics in that area to tackle. What exactly are they looking at? Right. Well, this task force was established about three months ago, and their members talk about how they were really motivated by the experiences during COVID, uh, having to grapple with finding PPE and medical supplies uh, while, while the United States as a whole really faced a lot of shortfalls. Of course, they're a House Armed Services Committee task force, so they were really looking at the Defense Department's piece of this. Um, and, you know, there have been numerous reports on supply chain problems, including the Biden administration's most recent report on supply chain bottlenecks. Alyssa Slotkin is co-chair of the task force, and she had this to say about how they're doing their work. The way that our task force is complementary is to take that spirit coming out of those reports and so many others and actually drill down and push the department a little bit just in sort of treating supply chains and supply chain security as a strategic priority is different for the department. Now, the task force just briefed their final report to Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks, and they expect to release the final report in July. The House Armed Services Committee is going to start marking up their bill at the end of July. It's kind of an interesting inversion. We're used to the department submitting reports to Congress. I'm not sure how many times I can remember seeing the paper flow in the other direction. At any rate, what do we know about what, what, what they're actually saying in this report? Right. Well, on that point, you mentioned Slotkin, uh, Representative Slotkin said that she really wanted to come up with a report that would work for the Defense Department, uh, not necessarily have something that they would find easy to implement or or agreeable, but something that they could actually do to help fix some of these supply chain problems. And one of those key problems is just simply transparency, knowing who's in your supply chain. Now, both uh, Representative Slotkin and her co-chair Mike Gallagher said DOD and the prime contractors they work with need to have better visibility into supply chains. Here's Gallagher. Yeah, I think sometimes when you ask Pentagon or industry leaders about supply chain visibility, you know, you kind of get a shoulder shrug that it's too hard or it's infeasible. Well, I I think what you're going to see in our final report is the idea that that's not going to cut it anymore at a time when supply chain vulnerabilities could mean the difference between success or failure in war. You know, we don't have an option other than to figure this out. Now, a lot of the times, primes don't know exactly who's in the lower tier of their supply chains, uh, or they won't disclose that information for proprietary reasons. So this report, uh, as both lawmakers indicated, clearly wants to get after that problem and at the very least have DOD and industry know who they're working with. The supply chain for the Defense Department is a pretty big universe. Um, are, Are they focusing on any particular areas? Yeah, so they're actually working on some pretty broad-based areas here. Representative Gallagher said the starting point is semiconductors, electronics, rare earth elements, energetics, and active pharmaceuticals. And you might be scratching your head thinking, what does the military have to do with pharmaceuticals? Well, Slotkin had this to say about that. 
the force needs needs drugs, right? The force will, you know, need things like insulin. The force needs things like antibiotics in order to be ready. You know, there are some very high tech things like microchips that are very, very important, but there's some pretty low tech things that could really trip up the force. And we included that in our supply chain. Um, and as we learned about it, it surprised me how little we knew about where the military's drugs are coming from. So there you go. There's uh, a, a, a lot of different areas that this task force is looking at. And what they also said is they want the Pentagon to really uh, come back to them, come back to Congress and, and help them know what are the quote unquote critical areas that they want to focus on as well. All right. Any, any other particular focus areas in this report, as far as we know, without having quite seen the whole thing yet? Right. Well, you know, there's so much focus on Buy American and boosting U.S. manufacturing and U.S. production of certain goods, semiconductors, pharmaceuticals, obviously are top, top of mind. And, you know, both of these lawmakers said that they're supportive of that. But beyond that, they said that they're not that the United States is not going to be able to do this alone. They're not going to be able to, you know, move supply chains out of China and back to the United States only there. And they mentioned how the report is really going to focus on this by allied framework, as Representative Gallagher put it. And so I think you're going to see some things in there on how the Defense Department can work more closely with allies on these critical technologies and supplies. All right. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks very much, Justin. All right. Thank you. And you can find Justin's report at federalnewsnetwork.com. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, you think about a pandemic, for example that has uh, placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is starting to lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And, and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a, a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to, to lead in a way 
uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina. Uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a little rural school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream, which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to to fight for change. And that was that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there've been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, 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 the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the US Ch Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community uh, inspired by that tragedy. And now we have a whole broad historic sweeping what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them, of, of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values. But the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream, which we often define and think of his big, I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond 
the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees, it's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that, that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills. And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a Secretary of Commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go, but the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce. And I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Jane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are the hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, and, and so I think that's a lesson for me. If there was some advice and counsel I could give is to continue to do your work, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. 
And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.